Hey everyone, today I will be reviewing episode 3 of Obi-Wan Kenobi. This was a great episode and my favorite so far. The first episode I still think is the best constructed one structurally, but this one had higher highs for me personally, so it's my favorite of the first three. Starting with the direction, Deborah Chow is continuing to do a great job for the most part. I have some issues and we'll talk about where I have those issues later, but overall I think she's doing great. Visually, the show is stunning. I really love her use of tone. It's evident in this show, and then you can also see it in her Mandalorian season one episodes, um, and that is that she's really good at establishing stakes and tension and making things feel consequential and important, and she's really using that in this show, especially in this episode. Uh, talking about the cinematography, it stood out this episode more than any other so far. Something I've noticed with these Star Wars Disney Plus shows is the influence of the volume. Although it's revolutionary, it's amazing, it looks a million times better than any green screen can, the volume has become a handicap of sorts. It's limiting the ways that these shows can be shot, and you can kind of start to see it, especially with Boba Fett and now with Obi-Wan. You can start to tell um, this is the volume. You can tell, you can see it in the visuals, and you can tell with the limitations of the cinematography. Um, while that's still the case for this show, I think Deborah Chow is doing as much as she can to escape that, which I appreciate. Um, she used tons of wide shots, landscape shots, and kind of grand establishing shots that help give the show a much more cinematic feel and also help to break the sense that this is all being shot in one room and not on real locations. Another thing that really stood out about this episode was the production design. Seeing things like Vader's castle on Mustafar and the Fortress Inquisitorius was awesome. I loved how the show not only showed us the interiors and the cool production design of the rooms, but also the outsides and the full buildings. And I really liked that. I loved the new planet, Mapuzo. It's very earthly, but I actually really like that. This is the first location that we visited in the show thus far that didn't feel like the volume to me. It felt like it was shot outdoors and maybe they actually did some location shooting for it. Whatever the case, whatever they did, I felt that this planet just seemed so much more tactile, so much more real than other planets have like Dayu. So I hope they continue that and they can continue to do that with future locations. I also wanted to quickly mention the sound of the episode. The sound design was great. Things like the whirring that Ned B makes every time he moves. I don't know why, it's just a really satisfying sound to me. Um, I thought that was a great touch. The score is solid. There's not a lot of super memorable iconic themes. They haven't been using the iconic Star Wars themes, which is interesting. But um, I think what Natalie Holt has been doing is a little bit more subtle. And if you really pay attention, there's some really good stuff in there. Um, I also did notice, especially in episode three more than any other, how reminiscent some sounds were in this score to the Loki score, um, which was a little bit distracting, but not enough to take me out of it. We already kind of talked about it, but another thing with this episode, the tone, the slowly building sense of danger that was there, it existed in the first two episodes, but it's kind of ratcheted up in this episode and culminates with Vader's appearance is just perfect. Deborah Chow really knows how to get the audience tense, how to get them on the edge of their seats, and she's doing a great job of it in this show. Okay, so let's move on from the more technical stuff to the fight scenes. We get two main ones this episode, the first being that shootout with Obi-Wan and the Stormtroopers. That was solid. Nothing super memorable, but nothing bad either. Just a solid, well-executed fight. The next big one, of course, is Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan. First of all, really well-staged, really well-choreographed, great fight scene. It was perfect for so many reasons. 
But what I really wanted to dive into was more specific moments and why I love this fight so much. First of all, Obi-Wan finally reigniting his lightsaber. I love how it's not some big heroic moment like everybody probably imagined. Instead, it's just this moment of desperation, of fear, of terror. I thought that was awesome. Secondly, Vader's fighting style was perfectly captured in this episode. This wasn't the highly choreographed ballet-like fights like we see in the prequels. This was a much more original trilogy with Vader going after Obi-Wan with slower but stronger strikes. This felt like original trilogy Vader, but more unleashed, more motivated by his rage. And that leads me to the other thing I loved. Um, Vader absolutely destroys Obi-Wan. I've seen people complaining about this, and that makes me scratch my head like, I would be upset if Obi-Wan won. Because think about it, Vader has been consumed by his desire for revenge since that day that Obi-Wan left him to burn on Mustafar. Vader has probably dreamed of this opportunity every single day of his life, and he's had 10 years of non-stop fighting, non-stop hunting Jedi to hone his skills. Obi-Wan practically shut himself off from the Force. He's also extremely shaken psychologically at seeing what's become of Vader. We see that he's a broken man. It makes perfect sense, story-wise, for Obi-Wan to be absolutely crushed, and I'm glad that that's the way it went. I also love the genuine terror in this scene. Um, the way Vader totally snuck up, he haunted Obi-Wan. I love how Vader did to Obi-Wan what he did to him, burning him alive. That was so unexpectedly brutal, but it makes perfect sense. Also, the scene is filled with so many really emotionally packed lines from Obi-Wan asking Vader, what have you become? To Vader, I am what you made me. Just phenomenal writing, how Vader kind of blames everything on Obi-Wan from Vader's perspective, it was everybody against him. Obi-Wan betrayed him. So I love how that line both perfectly captures Vader's kind of state mentally, but also Obi-Wan's state mentally and his stage and his character development, because that's only serving to put more guilt on Obi-Wan. And it kind of summarizes everything he's been feeling, everything he's been dealing with, because ultimately this show is a character study about Obi-Wan, a broken man dealing with his guilt and his regret, and everything he did, and all the events of the prequels, and this is ultimately dealing with all the fallout of that on a psychological level with Obi-Wan, and I thought that that line, or that set of lines, just perfectly encapsulated the entire purpose, the entire theme of the whole show. Talking more about the psychology of Vader, I love how the entire fight, he's just toying with Obi-Wan, he's playing with his food, he's not trying at all, he wants Obi-Wan to fight back, and he wants a good fight. He spent 10 years imagining this day. He imagined a grand battle like on Mustafar that ends with his ultimate satisfaction when he finally kills Obi-Wan. But that doesn't happen. It doesn't go that way. Obi-Wan is weak, and Vader is disappointed at how anticlimactic the confrontation is that he's been building up in his mind. He could easily kill Obi-Wan then and there when he's in the fire, but Vader knows it won't be nearly as satisfying as he's imagined, as he desperately wants, so he lets him go instead. I think the location of the fight also really contributes to this. Vader probably imagined something similar to Mustafar, something super dramatic, maybe cinematic feeling, this massive, crazy um, location fit for a big final battle, but this is just some bland quarry on a random mining planet that isn't a very memorable looking location, and that's by design, and that really adds to Vader's dissatisfaction with the whole situation. 
The other reason I think Vader lets Obi-Wan go, besides just wanting um, a more satisfying way to kill him, a more satisfying final battle, is because Vader wants to maximize Obi-Wan's suffering. He doesn't want to just physically harm him. He wants to psychologically break him. He wants Obi-Wan to live knowing what his former apprentice has become, and he wants Obi-Wan to think that it was his fault. So those are the two factors that explain to me why Vader let Obi-Wan go in the end. I really love the psychology of Vader in this episode. We're going to dive into it more later, but I just thought his characterization was phenomenal and this fight was phenomenal. Moving on from those fight scenes to the characters and the performances, we already spent a ton of time, but let's quickly mention Vader again. You just heard kind of my analysis on the psychology of Vader in this episode, so I won't go over all that again. But I also have to mention how he was portrayed. His characterization in this episode could not have been more perfect. It's better than anything I could have hoped for, I could have dreamed of. Vader was terrifying. This is by far the scariest, the most threatening we have ever seen him. In Rogue One, he's scary, but it's also really cool. There's this coolness factor to seeing him wiping through people in the end. I think during that scene, you're just smiling at how cool it is, even though it's also scary. And this show, you're not smiling. Deborah Chow removes as much of the cool factor as she can. She doesn't want you watching him smiling. She doesn't want you thinking he's cool. She wants you scared, and she succeeded at that. The physical tension and the physical fear, the danger that he just radiates, that he creates in the viewer the second he's on screen, is just perfect. He's everything I was missing from the Inquisitors. They didn't feel like a genuine threat. They didn't feel scary. They didn't feel like good villains to me. He feels like a threat. He feels the most menacing he ever has before. And I just had that same visceral reaction every second he's on screen that Obi-Wan does. Um, Every Vader scene in this episode was perfect. From the suit being put on him to him mercilessly slaughtering innocent villagers in that horrifying yet amazing sequence If anybody needs any further proof that Vader is the greatest villain ever put to screen and one of the best Star Wars characters ever, they should look no further than this episode. I cannot rave enough about how well he was portrayed, and credit for that goes to Deborah Chow and the performances. Vader was something they could not mess up. He is such an iconic character that if they messed up, it would be a big deal. And I was just hoping they could really handle him well. I wasn't expecting this level. And I I can't, he blew me away. I'm at a loss for words. Talking about those performances, James Earl Jones voicing Vader sounded perfect. I recently rewatched the original trilogy. He sounds exactly the same in this show as he did in the original trilogy. Um, You don't hear the age at all. He sounds the same. I believe there was some AI work done to augment his voice, but it sounds great. It doesn't sound robotic like maybe Luke did in Book of Boba Fett. Um, He sounds fantastic. Also, the body doubles, Hayden Christensen in the suit. I don't know how much he's in the suit, but everybody who was in the suit did a fantastic job bringing Vader to life and did a great job making him imposing, making him threatening. The physical acting, the way he walks, the way he moves was fantastic. Cannot be understated, um, and especially during that scene where he kills the town people. The way Vader walks and moves is really important, and they nailed that as well. Um, I just, I cannot rave enough about how well this show is handling Vader, and I am so happy about that. Moving on from Vader to Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor continues to be great. That scene where he meditates and calls out to Qui-Gon again, and then that inner cut with Vader putting on the suit, 
so great. Also, Obi-Wan seeing the vision of Anakin was awesome. That physical manifestation, that representation of all his guilt and fears, uh, Ewan played that perfectly. I also love how cynical he is in this episode. He's kind of a jerk. He's not a nice guy. He snaps at Leia multiple times, and you can see that he truly is an untrusting, broken man. I really like where his character arc is going, and if it's going where I think it's going, then this show will really nail his character development. Because at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he's at the lowest point I think we've ever seen him. He's at this really low point, and then in A New Hope, he's kind of, he's back. He's Obi-Wan again. He has that kind of spark in his eye. He's a little more peppy, a little more cheery, and really this show is filling in how does he get from that broken man to a little bit more cheery and hopeful in A New Hope. And this is where we're kind of seeing that. And I just really love that. I think through his experiences with Leia and Tala, um, he's going to relearn to trust people. His faith is going to be restored and he's going to realize that all hope is not lost. And I just really love um, that we're going to see Obi-Wan regain that cheeriness, that twinkle in his eye. And I'm just really excited for that. And I love that. This show is much more of a character study than I expected. And I'm so happy with that. I think what this show is doing best is diving into Obi-Wan and Vader as characters and their psychology and their development and exploring the psychological effects. The fallout of the prequel trilogy is just so cool. And I love it. I also love when Obi-Wan has to kind of recover the situation after uh, revealing that he's a Jedi to the stormtroopers or almost revealing that he's the Jedi that was a really touching moment. The conversation afterwards between him and Leia was so well written, so well acted. The sadness in his eyes when he tells Leia that he wishes he were her father. That's a really heartbreaking scene and really well done. It's also interesting to reveal that he has a brother. I don't think that'll lead to anything. I don't think we're going to see Obi-Wan, uh, Obi-Wan's brother in this show, but it is a really interesting revelation. And then finally, Obi-Wan's entire confrontation with Vader and the genuine terror, the genuine guilt, uh, all of that is amazing, extremely well acted. Ewan McGregor continues to deliver one of, if not the best performance in all of Star Wars with this show, and it's amazing to see. I love it. Moving on, Vivian Lyra Blair as young Leia. Again, fantastic in this episode. This might be her best episode yet. Um, we already talked about that conversation with Obi-Wan where she wonders about her true parentage. That was awesome. I love how perceptive she is, how easily she reads people. I think that's a clear sign of her force sensitivity. Also, she has a few moments in this episode where she apologizes and she shows more vulnerability. Um, and I think it was really smart to do that from a writing perspective to make her more relatable and to make the audience care for her more. It's really easy for all the sass to make her too annoying and kind of unlikable, but they toned it down a bit for this episode and that vulnerability brings it back and I thought they struck the perfect balance um, and made her a really likable character and uh, prevented her from potentially becoming annoying. Moving on, we get the introduction of Indira Varma as Tala Durith in this episode. In a show with some subpar performances from the supporting characters, I thought she was great. I thought she's probably, she's probably my favorite supporting character that was invented for this show that's a new character. I thought her line delivery was on point the entire time I really love the idea of this character as an early rebel, somebody who still works for the Empire as an officer, but secretly helps run this sort of underground railroad type system to help Force-sensitive people escape. In the short time we got with her, I thought she was a super well-established, 
morally complex and layered character. This is the type of character I would love to see get her own show or appear in Andor. She would perfectly fit into the premise of that show. We could explore her time in the Empire while trying to help the Rebels. Um, I just really love this character a lot more than I expected to. And she's probably one of my favorite characters in the show. I really, really liked her and I am excited to learn more and uh, explore more about her in future episodes. I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention Ned B. I really loved him. I loved the way he looked, the way he sounded. I love the scene when he's ready to fight with that hammer. He just kind of instantly established himself to me as an awesome, classic, lovable Star Wars droid. My wish for the show in the future is that we get to see some Ned B in action. I couldn't help but be a little bit disappointed when he didn't use that hammer. Um, Now that it's been teased, I desperately want to see it. So hopefully that happens. Moving on, I also wanted to mention Freck, um, the Mole Man, voiced by Zach Braff. I liked him because of the world building he provides. It's cool to see a character who is an Empire loyalist, not because they pay him, not because he's getting wealthy off them, but just because he genuinely supports them and he likes order. He's honestly a really real world and terrifying character. He's the type of guy who considers himself an upstanding citizen by serving the Empire, turning in rebels. And he's one of the most real world characters we've ever seen in Star Wars. Those similarities have already been pointed out online, but I just really liked him as a character because of the new perspective he provides and the nuance he provides. Um, And it's showing us that not everybody in the galaxy hates the Empire. Um, And I just think he's kind of offering a perspective we haven't necessarily seen before, at least in this way in Star Wars. And I love that. Also, just the way they reveal his loyalties, it's kind of played like a horror movie, the way they just kind of uh, pan over to the handmade Imperial sign on his speeder, just really well done, a cool way to reveal that. So I love that. Moving on to Reva and Moses Ingram. I'm on the record as somebody who did not like her performance in the first two episodes. While I don't think she's great still, I'm happy to report that this episode was an improvement. What I'm noticing with her performance is that she's really good in the quiet scenes, quiet moments where we're just focusing on her face and she's not saying anything, or maybe she's just whispering. Like when the Inquisitor says to her that he hopes she gets what she deserves and she says to herself, I really hope so too, or something. Or when she's looking at the Jedi logo in the secret room, there's clearly something going on underneath the surface something that's yet to be revealed with her. And I think we're, we're just waiting for a big twist that kind of, uh, kind of makes us look back at all her scenes in these episodes and reframes them. So I'm looking forward to that. But I think that Moses is doing a great job playing in those quiet moments um, when she has to bring more nuance and hint that there's something going on underneath. What doesn't work for me about her performance is when she's asked to be louder, when she has to shout, when she has to audibly express her anger For some reason, I just have a really hard time buying that, as well as a few of her line deliveries. So that's how I feel about her performance. I'm a little mixed on it, but I do like what they're doing with her character. They're hinting at something, and I'm very curious to see what that is. I like this competition they've set up between the Inquisitors for the position of Grand Inquisitor. It makes sense. It's a good source of conflict for the story. I like that. I like that she's captured Leia uh, in the end of the episode. I'm very curious to see how her character is handled in the rest of the season. I still feel like the verdict is out and I need to wait and see more. I think so much of my final opinion on her character will come when we get that inevitable reveal about what her true motivation is. What does she really want? Because I don't think we've seen that yet.
Last and sadly, but definitely least, is Sung Kang as the fifth brother. I'm going to be honest and tell you that I just hate his performance. I find him so annoying. I hate the way that he just hisses every single line. I find it really cringy, not threatening, really annoying. And that said, this is where I don't blame the actor. Sure, he's the one giving the performance, but Sung Kang is a solid actor, and I don't think this is his fault. He's doing what he's been directed to do, and this is my problem with Deborah Chow's directing. The director is responsible for getting the right performances out of the actors and guiding them and telling them what works, what doesn't work, what they should be doing, and uh, I don't feel like she's doing that well in this case. So while this episode was an improvement, the Inquisitors are still by far the weakest part of the show for me, mainly because of their performances. Moving on from the characters and the performances to the story, I already touched on just about everything, but I'll use this as an opportunity to just kind of list out and mention all the things that I liked that didn't come up elsewhere. First of all, I spent a lot of time on Vader and not a lot of time on that whole sequence with Freck. I actually really love that entire sequence. I thought the tension in the scene when the stormtroopers come and sit right down next to Obi-Wan and Leia was awesome. I was already loving the episode before Vader even showed up. This was already my favorite episode just with all the Threx stuff, with the Stormtrooper stuff. So I loved all that. I also really liked the ending of this episode. It leaves Obi-Wan in a good spot to heal, to train, and then to come back to get Leia and fight Vader. Another thing, the Quinlan Voss reference, as a Clone Wars fan, awesome. I don't think we're going to see him in this series like people are speculating, but it's just awesome to know that he's alive. He's still helping out the Rebellion, and I think we could potentially see him in the future. He's the type of character who's super interesting because he's not a traditional Jedi, so I'm very curious to see. Um, but that reference, even if it's just a reference and nothing comes out of it, it's just really cool. Moving on, I've already mentioned my other criticisms, but my final one is some aspects of the story. I've noticed this a lot with the show. There's a lot of conveniences in the plot or logic problems. Things like Reva being able to discover the path or the tunnel so easily, and then being able to get to the other end of it before or faster than Leia can run. That kind of bothered me a little bit, took me out a little bit. There have been a good amount of plot holes and logic gaps like those in the series thus far. And I really hope that doesn't continue to be a problem in the future. So I think I pretty much touched on everything. That about wraps up my thoughts on Obi-Wan Kenobi episode three. I absolutely love this episode. Let me know what you thought of it. Let me know in the comments, the email, the voicemail, or the form. All those links are in the description. Do you like this episode as much as me? Did you not like it? Let me know. Um, thank you for listening and have a good day.